interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. Uh, thank you very much. Um, that talk has given me, and I'm sure many of you, a lot to think about. We are going to take some time for questions. Who wants to make a Who comment wants to kick or us off here? Question? Either one. First question, right over here. Um, I guess you mentioned the uh, American church, but I was just wondering uh, if you could address one thing in the American church today and... Uh, you know, what would, what would it be? I'm sorry. Like, uh, if you I could address, address, you know, like one issue in the American church today or uh, one thing that you think would, uh, would definitely uh, stand out, uh, what would it be or like anything that you, your thoughts on it? Well, it's hard for me to think outside of the bounds of what I've just been talking about, so I guess I better stick with that. I think the American church, American evangelical church is largely not a servant church. It's largely a triumphalistic church. It's largely a church that says, let us show you how to run your life and run the world. That's the image that we have. Instead of coming in a little more quietly and a little bit more like a servant and saying, how can we help? I mean, I think Haiti, Haiti is a wonderful thing for us as Christians to see the way many Christians are just trying to do whatever they can do just to be a servant. And I would say, you know, America, some of you, many of you don't know this, the pastors in the room and Christian leaders or whatever might, you do know that there's a magazine, probably the most noted magazine in America for ministers and people who are in Christian ministry is a magazine called Leadership. I want to propose to you that America is the only land in the world where a magazine for Christians who are trying to serve people would be called leadership. And yes, we are to give leadership. Of course we are. But how? I think the American church needs to learn how to give leadership um, boldly. We don't back away from the truth at all. Even the harder parts of the truth. But to do it in a servant-like way. Hi. um, Hi. Thanks for speaking. Um, (laughs) My name is Grace. Um, I was just wondering... What um, are some of the good ways that you found um, to know more deeply the weakness of God um, without becoming self-loathing or overly introspective? Good. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, very, very good. And actually, that, that really needs to almost be a part B to what I'm saying because the danger, of course, is that we, if we just concentrate and focus on our weaknesses and we just kind of barrel, you know, buckle down and do that, it's, it can become very introspective. And I, I, only, I think that, and the way, you know, I don't think Cornell today is a lot different than Harvard was then when I was there. There's a lot of gloominess around here. This is the first time I've ever been on your campus, so forgive me for saying that. But I know it. I know it because, because these kinds of institutions, while they're very lively and wonderful, they produce a sense of gloom and isolation sometimes and loneliness and inwardness and, and self-loathing, as you say. That's a very strong word. I think the only way to do this is in community. 
That is to say, with other people who love me and who really want to listen to me speak of my weaknesses and who will not let me slip into a bad place, but who will encourage me to see how my weaknesses actually display the strength of God and to encourage me with whatever means. Sometimes it's secular means. Sometimes somebody needs to go to counseling. Really. But sometimes it's, it's learning to pray more deeply and learning to be quiet and to live with Christ, in Christ and through Christ that way. But maybe the strongest thing I can say is don't become isolated in this process. You know, the Bible uses we a whole lot more than I. I mean, the third person plural is the way the Bible speaks of us. We are the church. We are together. We belong to one another. So even in these things of working out our identities in Christ need to be done that way. Thank you. Great question. This is more a question, I guess, on um, about like seminary. So um, how do you think that getting uh, an education more deeply in theology and in God's word um, and in people who have experienced God's word and stuff like that, how do you think that helps cultivate um, a heart that wants to really know and serve with that idea of being the weakness of God? Yeah, great question. Um, and I, I'll just be real simple. And if we want to talk some more about it, I'd be glad to because I'm in the seminary business now and I like seminaries and I've always loved academic institutions despite sometimes the gloom. Um, I, you know, so what I would say is, and this is, comes out of my own traditional way, my tradition speaks of the ways in which a seminary could help us in three terms. They're called the means of grace. Helps us know the word of God and helps us understand the sacraments of the church and helps us learn how to pray. And therefore, seminary is a place that one should go to for those reasons. Actually, all three of them, not just one. Many people in our evangelical kind of circles go to seminary because they want to learn the word. Of course, that's why you go. Want to learn the Bible, absolutely. But the Bible is not the only means of grace. There is also the sacramental life of God's people as a community. And there's also prayer. And one of the things I'm excited about about our seminary, Redeemer in Talos, is that we are concentrating on all three of those, not just one. We're trying to make it our business to spiritually develop students inwardly, not just filling their minds with, with good Bible content. We need to learn the Bible better. But then we need to let it go from here to here. The longest journey any one of us, any one of us will ever take in our lives is from our head to our hearts. Longest journey you'll ever take. And I think the seminary needs to be in the business of doing that. Good question. Thank you. Yes. Um, I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit about um, what you think God taught you through your addiction or what you think he was using it for and how you're using that today. What was your last statement? How do I... How you're, how you're using what he taught you. How you're, like, applying yeah. it. Well, I, I think the way I would answer that is to say that I, um, I... First of all, I had to realize that I... in That in a proper sort of way, I needed to be not afraid. I mean, yeah, I don't know, 350 people here tonight or whatever. I, it's not the kind of thing... If you knew me 10 years ago 
It's not the kind of thing I would stand up and say to a group of people. I hide that stuff. We all hide. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We hide. But we also know we are our secrets. And what is going on that we don't talk about and don't disclose are the things that ultimately define us. So once I realize I have a weakness... To begin to talk about it in a way that isn't, and here's, this is maybe the answer to your question. The purpose of disclosing a weakness you have to another person is not so that the focus is on you and, you know, they begin to say, oh, wow, isn't that amazing? He can talk about that. Or isn't that amazing that, you know, he can say that and that God's done something in his life to fix that. That's not the point. The point is to use it as a way to love to use it as a way to love people who are having a hard time talking about their weaknesses and as a way to create an environment where such conversation can go on. Because the goal is this, to live with, in, and through Christ. And you can't do that if you're not bringing who you are to Him. If you're bringing your false self to Him, if you're bringing your spiritual self to him, you're bringing your sort of superficial Christian person to him, you're not doing it. How can we make our churches more safe for people to acknowledge their witness, uh, their weakness? Yeah, very good. One of the ways we can do it, um, Larry, is guys like you and I need to, you and me, you and I, us, we need to spend... (laughs) We need to spend more time with people like this because they're doing it much more. I am appalled, actually, at the way my son and my daughter, who are your age, a little little bit older, the way they talk to to their friends. You said, what, to your friend? I can't believe it. In other words, I think that, and I don't say this patronizingly, but you guys aren't jaded yet. (laughs) You're... There, and actually, not only are you not jaded, you're more prepared, I think, to be who you are than Larry and I were when we were your age. And I don't know if I completely understand that. I think we need to learn from the younger people in our churches and our congregations. I think without giving up on the old folks, we need to let the young folks set the tone for this and give them the room in our churches to do it. Because if they can do it with some measure of freedom and success and joy, then as they grow up into the church and into leadership, that's going to characterize the church more. I'm afraid I don't have a good answer for people your age and my age. We're stuck. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is, you know, he can, thankfully he can do it. But um, We'll take one last question right up here and we'll wrap it up with that. Is it on? (laughs) Skip, um, how... um, Thinking of your Plutarch example, um, what are some practical applications for how husbands can um, live out the weakness of Christ within their families towards their wives and children? What a great question. What time is it? (laughs) I mean, you know, there are week-long seminars on this subject that husbands and wives go to. Um, Let me answer it personally because that might be the most direct way to do it rather than giving you some abstract principle. My wife and I are uh, both type A's. 
we really kind of like making things happen. We don't let a lot of grass grow under our feet. We really believe that we that 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 we're right. <laughs> and I've had to learn that the big question is whether I want to be right or married. <laughs> and I, I really mean that. And and the revolution in my own life in the last few years has has, I think, helped me to say when I feel like I want my way and I feel like I want to impose my way on my wife, to simply say, it doesn't matter. This is a false, wrong pursuit. I'm not doing it out of some Christian ideal of leadership, husbanding leadership at all. I'm doing it I'm doing it out of weakness and fear. Wrong kind of weakness. I'm doing it out of the weakness that says, I gotta be big. I gotta be right. And to learn to come at my wife the way I come at other people. And to really say I'm to love her as Christ loves the church. And to really start to think about what that means, not just say it again and again and again. Barbara and I have been married 30 years, over 30 years, and our 30th wedding anniversary was, um, Last May, and in the <laughs> actually, what that was an example of is I was trying to think about how to say the next thing in a diplomatic way, and so uh, yeah, <laughs> really. Um, I, you're, you're all big boys and girls. I can say this: we went through hell in our marriage, absolute hell, in the last ten years. And part of that is what culminated in my misuse of prescription medication. And um, that we are still married is, is, a, is, a, is a miracle, I think. But you know what? It's better than that. Because Barbara and I looked at each other on our 30th anniversary last May and we said it has never been better. And a lot of this, yeah, it's worth thanking the Lord for. Some of you who aren't married will realize someday <laughs> that, 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 that can't always be said. And it is because we've learned to come at one another out of our need and weakness and without having all the answers. That's really the biggest reason. Two type A people who are learning to serve and care. It's a good thing when it happens. It's been a great uh, time to be with you tonight. I really thank you so much for the privilege of being at Cornell and with you.